Yes, you need to know how to identify narcissistic traits. But what about identifying compassionate traits? We don't talk about that a lot. You need to know how to identify empathy and compassion as well. What does that look like? Giving others the space for life to be about them sometimes? Okay, with a narcissist, they steal the spotlight all the time. But genuine compassion, that allows you to be in the spotlight sometimes too. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. I divorced a narcissist 10 years ago, and now I'm married to another one. How in the world did this happen? Now, I'm not talking about me personally here because I didn't do that, but I have met with so many people who have. One narcissistic relationship right into another one, sometimes three or four of them. Oh, my word. Okay, how does this happen? It is time to get a hold of what is going on here so that we can break this trend. Like I said, I've talked to so many people that have had a lifetime of narcissistic relationships. So how do you keep this from happening? Do I just need to stay single for the rest of my life? Maybe. How will I ever know that they're not a narcissist, especially when I never saw the covert narcissist that I was married to? I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and today we're going to explore how to stop this crazy cycle of narcissistic relationships. If you are watching this on YouTube or listening to this podcast, wherever you are today, please hit that subscribe button, that follow button, so that you can stay current on the material that we are providing. But not only that, you then help us to spread the word to more people. You are vital in this mission to reaching our world of people just like you who are living in this nightmare. If you are going back into the dating scene, I'm going to tell you right now, you better listen to this podcast. You need to educate yourself first. You need to learn to identify the signs in them, the narcissist out there, but you also need to learn to identify the signs in you that you might just be getting roped in again. So we're going to look at both sides of that, the signs in them and the signs in you. So let's start with them. So learning to identify narcissistic traits. Now, there's a list, and I'm going to read a list of some of these traits that are out there, but when you're dealing with covert narcissism, these, these traits are a little more hidden, and they're a little harder to see, so we're going to dive a little deeper. But let's start with just the traits. So a sense of self-importance, making themselves better than everyone else. A preoccupation with power, beauty, and success, okay? These are elements of personal gain. Entitlement. I'm more deserving than anyone else. All of this is focused around them, the personal gain. Association with people who are important and special. This helps them to look and feel important and special. Again, personal gain. Manipulation and exploitation of others. Why? For personal gain. Arrogance, because they're better than everyone else. A lack of empathy because they don't care about everyone else that they are better than. Requiring constant admiration. Why? Because they are so special. A lack of reciprocity. I can't ever say that word right. A lack of reciprocity. Competitiveness in interpersonal relationships. Again, all of this because they are looking out for number one. Number one is them. They are after 
personal gain. Now, if you listen to my podcast on a regular basis, you know that I have explored many of these traits in great detail. Go back and find those episodes because you have to get an understanding of narcissism before you can avoid narcissistic relationships. Now, let's go a little further, though, because narcissistic traits show up in people that are not narcissists. Okay, wait, what? Yes, narcissistic traits show up in people that are not narcissist. So how do we draw that line between somebody who has narcissistic traits and somebody who is a narcissist? When people ask me this, I often fall back to two questions. Can they self-reflect and can they be vulnerable? These two questions will start to show you the difference between someone who has narcissistic traits, a defensive mechanism that's in place and how they interact with the world, and somebody who's actually a narcissist. Everyone goes through some phases of narcissism in their life, okay? It starts in childhood. In childhood, when I have a drawing that I'm so eager to show the world and I come running to mom, mom, look, thinking that I've just created the greatest masterpiece ever. Okay, that's a narcissistic trait. How about in our teenage years when we fantasize about this amazing success or this beautiful job we're going to have or getting into the most prestigious college because we think we're better than everyone else and our world revolves entirely around us. Again, this is narcissism. However, as we grow and mature, we learn a more realistic picture of ourselves. Hopefully, not everything we do is great and wonderful. Okay, so we learn to regulate our disappointment. This is a maturing process. We learn to regulate the disappointments of life without letting it threaten our sense of self. So we maintain a healthy sense of self while we also manage to handle our own vulnerabilities, our own disappointments in ourself. In order to do this, we must self-reflect and we must handle being vulnerable. So while a person may believe that they deserve special treatment, maybe at work, okay, due to their great dedication, their great sacrifice, so they believe that this promotion that's coming up, they believe that they deserve it. They can um, show some narcissistic traits here in regards to, you know, I'm the one that's, you know, qualified for that job, and I believe that I deserve that, and it can sound like narcissism. But if they don't get the position, how does that play out for them? Can they regulate their disappointment when someone else gets that that promotion? They might even express happiness for this person, genuine happiness for them, and reflect on ways that they can improve themselves. This is not narcissism, even though it might have shown up as narcissistic traits. Let me explain this a little bit better. So, A person who uh, is showing narcissistic traits might say, well, how did they get that position? They don't deserve that. And you might hear these words, okay? That doesn't make them necessarily a narcissist when they follow up with some self-reflection. When they follow it up with, hey, I really thought I deserved that position, but, you know, this person has been working hard too. Then they reflected on their behavior. They reflected on their words. Maybe they even say, you know, I'm sure they'll do really good at that position. I I hope that they do. Maybe they even say, hey, who knows? This might ultimately open up something that fits better for me anyways. All of this shows self-reflection. These type of comments take the steam out of their disappointment and makes things more comfortable. 
So while they voiced what sounded like narcissism, it was followed by self-reflection that caused them to back down and show some vulnerability. This is that give, the reciprocal give that I talk about in my podcast. So I hope this helps you to get a better grasp on how to distinguish between narcissistic traits that you might see and somebody who's actually dealing with narcissism because they can't self-reflect and pull it back with some empathy and compassion. Now, in looking at a person, if you're considering this dating world, yes, you need to know how to identify narcissistic traits. But what about identifying compassionate traits? We don't talk about that a lot. You need to know how to identify empathy and compassion as well. What does that look like? Giving others the space for life to be about them sometimes? Okay, with a narcissist, they steal the spotlight all the time. But genuine compassion, that allows you to be in the spotlight sometimes too. It's a shared position. It goes back and forth. It's a natural give and take that happens in the relationship. Giving other people the space for their own perspective without making them feel wrong or stupid or belittled, any of that. How about being forgiving and non-judgmental? Giving other people the space to be themselves. This is valuable in a relationship. How about accepting responsibility for their own faults or mistakes or maybe even just things they could have done better, not willing to let others take the fall for them. Instead, they take ownership of their own stuff. Again, this is a sign or a trait of compassion. Don't forget to look for those traits too. How about celebrating the uniqueness of another individual? When you're in a narcissistic relationship, they consume you. You are an extension of them. But when you're in a compassionate relationship, This is somebody who celebrates that you're different, that you're different from them. They celebrate your happiness and the things that you love, the people in your life that you enjoy, the hobbies that you take interest in, and they celebrate that uniqueness instead of being jealous of it. I have people say to me on a regular basis, you know, I know what to look for, and yet I still got duped. I saw genuine compassion and empathy at the beginning of our relationship. And I say, okay, what did that look like? Well, they were sad for me when my dog died. Or they showed great concern when my grandma got ill. Or they committed so much time and energy to me while I was doing grad school. I thought this was real. I thought this was genuine. I never saw narcissism coming. Well, I'm going to tell you, I felt the same way. I saw vulnerability. I saw compassion. He seemed very caring, and I thought it was genuine. And yet I ended up married to a covert narcissist for decades. So what do you look for? You look for inconsistencies in their behavior. One of the things that that you really have to watch for is that inconsistency. Maybe they were sad when your dog died and they expressed that sadness, but then they become unusually needy and or maybe even combative and argumentative later that day, putting them back in the center of your world and back putting your interests and your focus back on them. Maybe they seemed, you know, really um, caring and concerned when your grandma got ill, but then you find yourself comforting them because it reminds them of when their grandpa died. And there's nothing wrong with it reminding them of when their grandpa died, but when they steal that spotlight back. It doesn't match the care and concern that they showed because your grandma is ill. Maybe they committed so much time and energy to you while you were in grad school, but then they hold it over you. 
You know, well, look at all that I did for you. What are you going to do for me? Maybe they remind you of how much you owe them or that you're indebted to them. Or they, you know, want, they keep reminding you of how great and wonderful they are waiting for you to be their biggest cheerleader. All of this starts turning back to personal gain for them. This is inconsistencies in their behavior. Another sign is that over-the-top behavior. When they go to just such great extremes to show their care and concern. I'll give you an example of this. Maybe one day you decide, you know what? I think I need to be gluten-free. Okay, and so you decide this and you tell them this. Well, they dive in doing tons of research, maybe throwing all the food away in the refrigerator or the pantry. They spend four hundred dollars on or more on all this gluten free stuff. It's just over the top when you just kind of mention, I'm thinking about it. Maybe I need to explore this. And they go over the top on this. And the inconsistencies come when a week later they're mad at you. Well, why did you have to decide that you're gluten-free? I can't even eat anything in my own kitchen. But they're the ones that decided to go over the top on this. Again, that's another sign that maybe we're dealing with a narcissist here. Now let's shift gears. What do you need to watch for in you? So sometimes it's easier to see the signs of abuse in the victim than it is in the abuser, especially when you're dealing with covert narcissism, which again can be covered so well under a, an image, a facade of genuineness, realness, um, compassion, generosity, all of this covers that underlying layer of narcissism. But what about what starts showing up in you? When you are in a narcissistic relationship, your mind starts becoming defensive. You start feeling like you have to justify everything. You're coming up with 50 different ways to say something before words even come out of your mouth. These are signs in you that you might be dealing with somebody who is manipulative, uh, somebody who is exploitative. These are signs in you that you might need to start watching for. So let's talk about projections. Projection is not a narcissistic thing. It is a human thing. We all project. Projection is when I believe that this person will behave the way I would if I were in their shoes. I expect them to behave like me, okay? This is projection, and it gets in the way of us seeing people for who they really are. Narcissistic people project. They project manipulativeness, competitiveness, passive aggressiveness, entitlement, superiority, self-serving attributes. This is what narcissistic people project. What I mean by that is they think that's the way you're behaving. Well, you're just being self-serving. You're just being manipulative. You're just being passive aggressive. And they pass all of this off onto you. Okay. Victims of narcissistic people who tend towards codependent traits, they project an eagerness to compromise a willingness to give the benefit of the doubt, a quickness to forgive, a desire to clear the air, an ability to self-reflect, the desire to behave in respectful and reasonable ways. That's what we project onto other people, and we expect that they're going to behave this way. We expect that they will compromise, that they will be reasonable, which is part of what keeps us hooked for so many years because we hold on to the hope that that's true and we pour in all this energy, you know, surely they'll, they'll be reasonable if they can just understand what I'm saying. So we work over hard, over uh, reflective 
to find the right words that they can understand. It is time to see your own projections for what they are. Do not let them get in the way of seeing other people for who they really are. Let other people's words, attitudes, and behaviors tell you what to expect from them, whether that's good or bad. But start seeing people for who they are, not through your own projections of who they are. How about boundaries? If you start to feel like your boundaries are dropping, your boundaries are dipping, you might need to question this relationship that you're in. Pay attention to your ability to set boundaries for yourself. It's often, like I said, easier to see the signs of a toxic relationship in the victim than in the abuser. So watch for signs in you that you might be now sacrificing parts of you. You might be giving up your time and energy when you don't want to. You might be giving up pieces of yourself. I'll give you some examples of boundaries and how this plays out. One of the boundaries is it's not my job to solve other people's feelings. I'm not obligated to carry the weight of other people's feelings or to carry the blame for their feelings. But if I find myself starting to do that, then I am sacrificing that boundary. And that might be the sign of a toxic relationship. And it might not be, not necessarily. It might just be a sign of some you know, learned behavior from my past. But either way, I've got to call it into question for me. Another boundary is, you know, giving people the space to handle things when things get tough. That's their problem, not mine. Not jumping into fix-it mode. I will not internalize their problems. I will not ruminate over them. I will not take responsibility for them. I will not take blame or shame for them. Another boundary is I will trust my own compassion. I have nothing to defend. I can trust that I'm a compassionate person. If I find myself defending myself, then I need to reflect on this relationship. As you get better at setting your own personal boundaries, pay attention to any times that you find yourself sacrificing them. It is so easy to give these boundaries up, especially to manipulative people. When I have a friend that's in a bad mood or maybe just feeling off, it's very easy for me to go, okay, what did I do wrong? Is this my fault? Are they mad at me? Did I upset them? Okay, this is past learned behavior from me. I have just internalized their bad mood and taken responsibility for it. So that's a boundary I had to set for myself. Now, this is not necessarily a sign that that is a toxic person. But when this boundary sacrificing is matched with a toxic person, That is a devastating combination. And if you're listening to my podcast, you already know that. With my friends who are trusted, okay, my friends who are in my inner circle, this is a really good time for me to practice finding the things in me that caused me to be an easy target to a narcissistic and manipulative person in the first place. So don't just watch for signs in the other person. When you enter new relationships, watch what is going on inside of you as well. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at renee, R-E-N-E-E, at 
cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.